0: Episode of to the Forgot My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the spaceships to my badass space samurai, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Uh, hello, hello. I'm doing good. That is, of course, an allusion to our game, our deep dive game of the show, Starship Samurai, which we will talk about very soon. But for now, we're going to start this episode off the same way we start every episode, with a big, old, huge, warm, and sloppy thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. We appreciate all that you do for us. You guys help us keep the show on the air, and we love you. Thank you so much. Sloppy? A sloppy thank you? I don't know where I'm going today. I'm I'm exhausted. I'm more than a little loopy. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I know it's not going to be pretty.
1: In my head, I'll imagine that as you spitting in your hand before you shake their hand, you know? And that's where I'll stop. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy, brother. Wait, if I thank them after right now, do I get sloppy seconds? Is that how this works? You're always welcome to my sloppy seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that somber note.
1: (laughs) Oh, there was nothing somber about that note. (laughs) We have a... It was a voluptuous note, ripe with thought and poignancy.
0: I don't know what any of this means anymore. (laughs) Well... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> we, have, we have an interesting note on the show here, Robert. We are getting caught up on FMD Classic.
1: Yeah, I got behind. I uh, I wasn't posting them when I should. So I've got 20 up as as we speak. And I think we're going to do, what, 22 a little later in the episode? Yeah, so uh, I should get caught up on FMD Classics and get them up on the site. And so they're back in sync with the podcast like they were. I, I, I'm a bad person. I, I started getting decoupled of when i was moving and blah whatever we're getting caught up so yes if you notice a lot of fmd classics getting pushed to your feed that's why i'm trying to get them all on, on our website because
0: and another special special note for the episode it is time to wish a very very happy birthday to your twins
1: yeah and to us because i realized the first episode came out i i pushed it that night in the hospital <laughs> i i do remember that actually I don't know why it didn't occur to me until just now, but yeah, when my twins turn two, the show turns two as well, and next year we'll be three, and so on and so forth. Two years of our ridiculousness. I don't know how
0: anybody's put up with us this long. <laughs>
1: also, uh, our anniversary episodes, because they fall on my kids' birthday, it means I tend to be doing family stuff, so we're recording a tad late, just a smidge. So, if this doesn't come out on Monday like we want, I'll try. I'm trying. I'm going to try hard, but no promises. That is why. It was it was little children's birthday, and uh, I had to, you know, family came in. It was, it was a thing.
0: All right, and as always, we're going to kick this episode off with our off-the-shelf segment. And in our off-the-shelf segment, of course, this is where we talk about all the wonderful, geeky, nerdy, wonderful things that we've had off of our shelf and into our hearts. And we're going to start out with you, Robert, because you have been playing some video games.
1: So I, I continue to play Wrecking Ball in the Overwatch, and it is fun, and I really enjoy it. And, uh, oh, hey, hey, Jonathan, are you sitting down? I am indeed. Is it dark where you are? A little bit. Uh, Is there some nice ambient light, maybe from a campfire? I'd call it more like some mood lighting, but yeah. I'll I'll take mood lighting. I'll take mood lighting. So, are you ready for some spoopy tales of Pokemon Go? Sure. I don't know what that means. You don't know what spoopy means? No. I just found out the other day, apparently... It is uh, the kids use it in their internet languages, and it is a mixture of spooky and stupid. So it is a stupid silly good th- or
0: stupid bad.
1: It's it's creepy and funny, kind of at the same time. So that's what spooky means. I'll allow it. I just called a. I just caught a plusle. A plusly. Plusly, sure.
0: There's only the one e, so I wouldn't have known to make it make it a hard e. There's no accent.
1: Either. I. I, I don't know. That's just what I call it, man. I, I just read these things. I, I stopped watching the Pokemon. I got kind of bored of it. When you but, started
0: yeah. talking about Pokemon, I whipped out my Pokemon Go and I just caught one. You, uh, Nothing
1: spawns in front of my house. Anyway, okay, okay. So, so here we are. Gina and I got some babysitting. We went out one night, right? And we were out having a lovely date. Lovely date. It's getting late. We're on our way home but we had some time, we had about 30 minutes to kill and it's like we're not going to we're not going to waste time when you're out on date night, right? But what are you to do? We we ate, we did our thing, we had dessert actually, so we had nothing to do. So, we went on the internet and we looked around relatively close to our house if there were any Pokemon nests. Do you know what Pokemon nests are in Pokemon Go? No, I do not. It is where a type of Pokemon spawns that is supposed to not really normally spawn in your area and i mean and but they will spawn there a lot and pokemon nests like move over time so like uh there's a park near my house where these zoo bats used to pop up all the time but now they're gone because the nest has moved on it's it's just a, a thing you can do and i i could send you a, a link to the the map i use but there was this type of fish called a chinchow which we had never seen before so we're like let's go to this nest let's let's go find it it's in a park kind of near my house so we drive over there and we park in the parking lot And there's like a little community center there And it's brightly lit and there's lights everywhere And we find a gym and we're doing stuff But there are none of these fish There are none of these chinchows And we're like, huh And we're looking on the map And it looks like there's a second parking lot On sort of the far end of the park Because it's kind of really long and rectangular For some weird reason, you know So we're on like kind of the eastern corner And on the western side There appears to be another parking lot So we're like, okay, we'll go drive down there We, uh, we go and we drive down there there are no lights at all on this side of the park. Uh, a little dark. Some would say ominously dark. And I find the turn in to the parking lot, and I turn into it. And the parking lot's just like you know, it's it's two it's just two rows of parking spaces. It's it's nothing. There's there's you know, it's a tiny little parking lot. And then I turn right to sort of turn into the parking lot proper, and. As we're going in there, my wife is like, oh, there's fish. There's these fish everywhere. And she's like catching the chin chows. So she's not looking up. She's looking at her phone. I'm looking up because I'm driving. When I make that right turn and I'm pointing myself down the parking lot, what do I see, Jonathan? A police officer. No, no. At the other end of the parking lot, as far away as we can get parked in a spot, is a old beater Toyota truck. Like one of the little tiny ones, right? And, and it's it's old. And it's beaten up. It's white. And it's got nebulous shapes in the, back, uh, in the back hatch area. And the driver's side door is open. And because the lights are on, I can see it. And standing immediately outside the driver's side door is a guy wearing overalls and a stained shirt. And he's holding a plastic-like shopping bag just full of something. Body parts? I don't know. You know what? I took one look at that and I'm like... Nope, nah, we're we're good. I noped, I noped out of there. I'm like, you know what? There there are horror movie tropes out tonight. It's not a good night for Pokemon Go. We're just gonna go home and go to bed because yeah, it's no good. There's horror movies out tonight, and that is my spoopy tale of Pokemon Go. Uh, don't play Pokemon Go driving around looking for nests at uh, ten o'clock at night. I think that's the moral of the story. Fair enough. Was that a good tale? Was that was that creepy? Slightly. When you see that in real life, and and by the way, this parking lot was dark. He was just standing there. In the dark. I may want to
0: say that I am uh, surprised, but I'm not surprised.
1: When the thing warns you that when you're playing Pokemon Go, you should always be paying attention, you should always be paying attention. (laughs) Absolutely. Without a doubt. (laughs) And uh, Dragon Quest XI, four days? Four days!
0: (sighs) So excited. Uh, My heart is elsewhere in the video game world right now, and that's because I watched the 48-minute trailer of uh cyberpunk 2077
1: oh i haven't seen that yet how is it oh wow it's oh wow
0: robert it looks like it's going to redefine the modern action rpg
1: is it is it cribbing from like mass effect is it a shooter you know rpg or it borrows from
0: mass effect from first person shooters it looks like it's got a heck of a tech tree it's got a netrunner influence it's it's amazing
1: I I think I just need
0: to go watch that. Um, Yeah, like the graphics are amazing. The world they're building is amazing. Everything
1: about it is just jaw-dropping. Nice. Nice. I can't wait. All right, I'll go watch that tonight after we're done. Huzzah! Huzzah, indeed.
0: Well, I've had a little bit of video game time myself. I have continued to play Fortnite. Nothing new to report there. The new season is shaping up, interestingly. There's now a giant monolith cube that's in the middle of the map. It gives shields. You can get weird gravitational effects on it, and it's just kooky. Uh, There's Hmm. also a tomato cult that has popped up in the world. (laughs) (laughs) They are worshipping a tomato god, uh, and there's now an Indiana Jones-style tomato temple.
1: Killer tomato style? Is there a guy with a cavalry saber and a deployed parachute that is their leader?
0: No. uh, Somehow they've managed to make it even worse. Yeah, I would urge you to check out Fortnite and check out the tomato cult. Okay, I'm on that. That's about it for video games. I- I've also actually been playing through Halo Two on Legendary with my buddy. Now, my buddy Sean and I have been playing Halo together uh, since two thousand and one.
1: Whenever the first I Halo. Wish, came I out. wish I had the uh, the soundtrack from two thousand and one just queued up when you did that, because now we could just say this to the weird screaming chorus that they have in that that movie. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Sean and I have been playing Halo together since 2001. It's the game that we bonded over, and then when I left California, I was really quite sad, but uh, it was uh, right about the same time that all the Halos started going online, so we continued to play Halo, and for whatever reason, uh, he just had uh, his uh, first child, and so he's been spending a little, a lot more time at home, and we decided to start playing some uh, Halo together, and... Lo and behold, we're, we're three-quarters of the way through Halo 2, and we always play on Legendary, so it's quite the challenge.
1: Nice. That's
0: fun. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, we're going to try and get through uh, all of the Halo games in preparation for the new Halo game uh, this winter. I also see you've had some movies and TV. Uh, what's going on there? You saw the Lego Batman movie.
1: <laughs> yes, so my, my library around here is awesome. And they have a lot of movies. And I found a PlayStation 4 games. Oh, my gosh. We've been catching my kid up on the classics because, you know, not everything is streaming everywhere all the time. So and, you know, there's some movies you don't need to see more than once. Like, for instance, the Lego Batman movie. I I like that movie. I like the Lego movie. I like its sort of kinetic and manic sense of humor. But, yeah, I don't think I need to watch that movie more than once. It was kind of like a one. And I'm like, that was good. That was good. And my, my kid kind of felt the same way. She's like, that was really funny and uh, and then she moved on and then we we actually got into that from like uh, to a long talk about like batman and she's like so the boy who's that and i'm like that's dick grayson that's robin and she's like is he a character in the comics and i'm like yes he is and yeah so i was showing her pictures and stuff but that was fun have you seen the lego batman movie yeah i watched it once yeah yeah that's about that's about it i i had a good time it i it wasn't I, I enjoyed... bad yeah it wasn't good it was it was worth a viewing and it's it's got some kind of like high level commentary on, you know, Batman because it, it plays around with Batman tropes quite a bit, which is kind of fun. It is what it is. And then we continued on the, you know, the the Pixar bandwagon and we watched Up and uh, yeah, yeah, that movie, man, that movie is still a swift kick in the feels in the first 10 minutes. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I uh, I don't know that I can watch the beginning of Up right now.
1: <laughs> that'd be a hot mess oh my gosh oh my gosh and and of course my kid was just like i didn't cry what was so sad about the beginning And i'm like you, you just don't understand you're not you've never loved like we have as old men i don't know i don't know what it was but yeah that's one of those rare it- instances where yeah you really do
0: have to have age to understand that sadness It's it's the
1: reverse of when
0: you and I look at a child that's crying and and we just ask them, why are you crying?
1: (laughs) You want to know what got to her? The Lego Batman movie. Shut up. Because there's a scene. No, seriously. She started crying at the beginning of it because there's a scene early on when uh, he's looking at a picture of his parents in front of the theater, you know, right before Joe Chill. And she understands what happens to Batman's parents because we watched uh, the beginning of Batman Begins. And uh, so she knows, like, Batman's parents died, and she just loses her mind when she gets reminded of that and just thinks about, oh, he's just a little boy and his parents died. I, I, you know, it's 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 her experience, I guess, you know, because she could actually imagine that happening to her. But, you know, she's never, you know, been in a relationship, and so she can't get up, I guess. But she liked Doug, Doug the dog. Squirrel. Which is probably no my my daughter has picked up that character trait she's always had this weird fascination with squirrels and so she will just do that she did it before she watched the movie but it's she's really kicked it in overdrive like I've literally just had conversations with her on the street and she'll just be like and then I I met my new teacher and I got a squirrel (laughs) And uh, let's see, I've never seen Brave, actually, so I got that queued up, and I found out they have PlayStation games, and they have Jurassic Park Evolution, so I'm going to give that a go on the PlayStation once oh, they get it back in stock. can't
0: wait to talk about that. You know, I love me some Jurassic World Evolution.
1: And-, and hold up. That is literally all I've been up to the last two weeks. I have been doing house stuff. And uh, gentle listener out there, if you could do me a solid right now, I would really appreciate it. I'm starting to come to the conclusion that my house is cursed. And I'll tell you why. Oh, God, stop it. Stop it. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Not your typical curse. This is why I want good juju coming this way. Okay. So every time we get, like, a date, you know, it's like, we'll come, you know, between, like, 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this date. And then when they narrow it down, it's always the, okay, we'll come between 3 and 5 on this date. And then when it's finally, you know, they always come, like, right at 5 and it's just—it's really getting annoying, and and it's one of those minor annoyances. And I don't know what kind of like sage I need to burn in my house to get rid of this like weird timing bug in my house, where everything happens to ha- has to happen at the latest possible time possible. And the curse claimed a victim because we had a a plumber out here for a home warranty thing. And uh, we had another appointment with them. They were going to, they were supposed to come and fix something. And this guy shows up, and it's not the guy who came out here previous. And he's like, "Yeah, we have to start over." So two days after uh, the last guy was out here, he just quit and didn't do anything. So what's the problem? And I'm like, Ugh, "Really?"
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and of course, they said that he'll be out here between ten and twelve. And when does he get out here? Right at twelve. Never fails. So good juju. If if you've dealt with home curses like this, like the curse of annoyance. You know, I don't. I, is it sage? Do I can I burn thyme? Like I, I, I don't know what herb I need to to wave around in here to make it go away. But this, this, this annoyance energy in this dwelling needs to go away. We'll see what we can do. I cast you out. I cast you out, annoying spirits. Slightly annoy me no longer. All right, Jonathan, what have you been do- doing? Because I, I'm done. I, I got nothing. Not much, man.
0: Uh, in the movie and TV front, it's been pretty dry. I've been working a lot, and then I've also had uh. Uh, school startup again which means kids sports and all the assorted rigmarole so there's there's often days where i'm out the door at seven in the morning starting my day and you know it'll be nine nine thirty by the time we're all done with uh, sports and practices and uh, open houses and all that other stuff so it's been a little dry but
1: <laughs> me too, me too. I had a meet the meet the teacher night oh, last yeah. night. So
0: well, and I have got the four kids, so I had to do uh, meet the kindergarten teachers for the little ones, and then we had the the meet the fourth grade teacher, and then the, at a completely different school, we had to go meet all six of my eldest son's teachers because he's in middle school now, and it's it's just a thing. It's a big old quagmire.
1: You want to hear something nuts? My kid doesn't start school until next Tuesday. Can you believe that? That is kind of nuts, because we'll be on like week three almost a month in. I think it's just Portland summers, because most people out here tell me that summer doesn't really end until about September. That's when it starts getting really cloudy and kind of cool again, and that's apparently happened early this year, but I think it has everything to do with that, because when school let out for you guys a good three weeks before mine did, it was still Portland weather here, and so I think they do it to sync up with the good part of summer, so there's no schooling during the good part of summer, you know, when it's nice and not cloudy and warm. But I feel bad for my kid. She had an extra long year of school because Texas schools start earlier than most everybody. And then Oregon schools get out later than most everybody. So she just had, you know, extra three weeks of school in there.
0: On the TV front, I haven't had much. Uh, I have continued to chip away at Star Trek The Next Generation. I like to put it on when I'm working sometimes. It just helps the 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 time go by. And it's something that I'm familiar with. So I don't concentrate on it, if that makes sense. But it's I'm still... Cognizant enough to make sense of it, but not cognizant enough to be distracted from work
1: i mean I've been doing that off and on too. I got through the last episode I remember watching is the one where data starts dating
0: oh that's a oh that's a rough episode <laughs> that, that one's just so there's so much awkward It's just so much awkward. I'm about three quarters of the way through season five at this point, and so that means that I'm gonna have to start bouncing back and forth between. This and Deep Space Nine very soon. And the only other thing I have to report on the TV end of the spectrum uh, is that uh, we've got some great news. Altered Carbon, one of my favorite shows of the last year, getting a season two. Oh, fun. And this time Anthony Mackie will be taking the lead role.
1: I don't know who that is. Uh, That is the guy that plays Falcon on the Avengers movies. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. He's a
0: great actor. He was in uh, Hurt Locker. He's done some character work. It, it's good stuff.
1: Well, I think we're at that time, Jonathan. I have opened the file on our fans' Facebook page. Is it board game time?
0: Yes. Yes, it is, because that's quite sadly the only TV that I've had. So, time to talk about some board games, and that that, that I can actually get into, because I've had a couple of good, solid uh, game nights at my house. Yeah, it, The nice thing is it only takes one good game night to chip away at, like, three or four games, you know? hmm <laughs> so are you ready because we're gonna be making some alterations to the list bud all right let's do this all right number one played me some plague inc how should okay. i put this it's uh basically reverse pandemic instead of trying to kill the uh kill the disease you're trying to kill humanity it does a really interesting and good job of uh simulating what the what the video game's like it's actually quite uh quite clever in that respect and okay just enough going on to um, really make it satisfying, much like Pandemic is. But it's not difficult at all. Uh, and I will be—I'm happy to report that uh, uh, my disease uh, wiped out humanity, and I won uh, five of the seven continents in terms of most most cities destroyed.
1: How many players did you have
0: in that particular game? I think the—I've played it with two now, and I've played it with three players. And it plays very quickly too, which I appreciate. Is everybody a separate
1: disease, or are you working together? Yes,
0: no, we're all separate diseases, and in okay. fact, we're we're actively working against each other. Because the way it works is, you have uh, actions, and one of the actions that you have is to spread diseases. Yeah, and so when you spread your disease, uh, there's a lot of rules around how you spread. You have to be connected. Your disease, if it's going to spread via um, uh, via air travel or sea travel, it has to have developed that genetic mutation. Uh, some countries are very cold. Some countries are very hot. So if you want to spread into those countries, you have to have developed a genetic mutation to allow you to be heat-resistant or cold-resistant, just like the video game. That means that there's limited numbers of cities per country as the country cards come out. And so when you infect those cities, whoever uh, controls the, the most cities on any given country card at uh, the beginning of the, of the turn, uh, they get points off of that card.
1: Yeah, it is like reverse pandemic yeah, then.
0: You want to spread as fast as you can. And then once a city is completely filled up and there's no spots left, you have to try and, and basically destroy the city, which is it, it's equal to the city and the government in that city collapsing Okay, because most people have died. When you're evolving your disease, you you evolve the things that we have talked about already, but you can also evolve lethality uh, because the destruction of a city all comes down to a die roll. And you start with an inherent lethality of one, which would mean that you would have to get a one on a die roll to destroy the city out of out of a possible uh, d six. Very unlikely. So by evolving yeah. additional additional lethality, you make it easier and easier for you yourself to get into a uh, into a die roll. Okay. Now the clever, really clever thing is you spend victory points to evolve. Mm. So it's a really nice give and take between do I want to spend these victory points for evolution uh, or do I want to potentially hold on to them? Because at the end of the game, any active upgrades that you have, you get those victory points back, but you can replace an evolution at any time with a new evolutionary card, which it will behoove you to do sometimes. But when you get rid of that old evolution card, those points are gone forever. Hmm. So it's it's really, I had a great time with it. It's reverse pandemic, but it feels like its own thing. That's cool. Okay. What else did you play? Played two of the Legendary Encounters game. Started out with uh, Legendary Encounters X-Files. Take that sucker off the list, too. I'm on it. I'm a professional. It plays much like the other Legendary Encounters games, but there's a couple new systems in place in regards to um, beliefs and doubts, and there's also some... It, it handles the episodes in a very different way from the previous Legendary games. So it really does end up feeling quite fresh uh, for a Legendary Encounters game while still having all of the same basic actions that you can uh, work off of.
1: What else have been working on?
0: And we also played Legendary Firefly. And it's funny playing two of those Legendary Encounter games back to back and seeing how they've tailor made each of those games uh, to be uh, to basically to, to fit it into the license better which I think is great. I think it's fantastic. Because in Firefly, you actually have the ship that you're trying to protect as well and upgrade, and then you also have some different systems in regards to how the story is told. It's more episodic, which is kind of neat. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's really quite clever. Nice. Played a couple rounds of Starship Samurai, which I'm not going to talk about yet, because that will be our deep dive for the episode. And uh, on the recommendation of another podcast I listened to, I picked up a game called Black Orchestra and black orchestra is amazing it is so good it's my favorite co-op game of the year what without a doubt hands
1: down okay why is this so good jonathan
0: in black orchestra you all play members of the uh german reich during the uh 40s and you are all conspiring together to kill hitler
1: oh is it like operation valkyrie or something like exactly. that?
0: exactly in fact i played as a uh, Von whatever his last name is, Stupenfeld or whatever. Hmm. Uh, That was my character in the game. So uh, basically what it is is you have a couple different actions that you can do on your turn, and you start out in a very restricted uh, area of Germany, uh, primarily Berlin and some of the surrounding cities. Now, it's interesting. The game is broken up into seven distinct chapters, and as you go through those different chapters, different portions of the board open up to you as the German Empire expanded during the war, and then as mm-hmm. you get near the tail end of the war, it starts to shrink again, because by the time you get to chapters 6 and 7, big chunks of the board become inaccessible to you.
1: Oh, as the allies come in and cut you off.
0: <coughs> yes, exactly. Now, what's interesting <laughs> is you, you travel around the board, and you pick up items, and those items are going to need to be put together to work out plots, and you get those plots by, by getting these plot cards uh, and and... The plot cards are a combination of different abilities and one-time use abilities that let you influence the game, like um, specifically make Hitler travel from one city to another, or make yourself travel, or get extra actions, or prevent the Gestapo from taking your stuff. And the entire time that you're playing, you're managing a couple different tracks. There's one track that is uh, all about uh, measuring strength of the military behind Hitler, and the higher that is, the harder it is to successfully assassinate Hitler. Now, there's also a track that it measures your individual suspicion. And you really need to actively manage that. Because if the suspicion around you becomes too high, when there's a random Gestapo raid, the Gestapo will come and arrest you. And if you get arrested, you lose anything that you had in your hand that was illegal, in terms of your cards. And it forces the other players to use up some turns trying to get you out. Hmm, and okay. by releasing you... They actually make their own suspicion go up, too. So the level of paranoia you start to feel in this game is amazing. It's palpable. And the way it plays into the actual events of history and and how people were actually plotting against him is fascinating. The attention and care given to the time period and the theme of the game are um, just amazing. I cannot speak highly enough about this game. Black Orchestra is a hands-down... One of the best games of the year.
1: Wow, okay. Sounds fun.
0: And then just to kind of round it out, a couple other games I've been talking about a lot. Uh, I continue to play the Lightseekers app. Uh, I have built myself a pretty monster deck. I've only lost one round with it uh, out of 15 or 16 games, so I'm feeling real good about my deck construction. And uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar Champions continues to come out. Totally addicted to that. I think that game is brilliant. And finally, I continue to play uh, Ganjan Clever. On my iPad, which is so good. I really want a physical uh, copy of it, but it's kind of hard to get a hold of because I think it never left Germany.
1: And that
0: is what I've had off the shelf, my friend.
1: All right. So I added Black Orchestra. I removed Plague, Inc., Legendary Encounters, The X-Files, Starship, Samurai, and Black Orchestra, bringing your total down to minus three this week. Dale? You haven't played Cassentical yet. You haven't played any of Jonathan's new hotnesses. Play some more black orchestra. I'm counting on you, Dale. You're my only hope. How's it feel to feel hopeless? I I just call that Tuesday. Oh.
0: (laughs) I do enjoy the Street Fighter reference. Well played. Well played.
1: Yeah. You were trying to work that into every episode, but I, in turn, beat you to it. That is a killer instinct combo breaker, sir. (laughs) Combo breaker. (laughs) <laughs>
0: all right well that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment as always we want to hear what you've had off the shelf so make sure you hop onto our digital domains and let us know what you've been playing as well and for now uh let's take a quick break and we'll be back with our wisdom of crowds
1: and join us in our fan page because a uh, friend of the show ray Greenlee, always kind of updates us on what he's been playing and that's fun more people need to do that it's fun seeing what you guys are doing so seriously come join us yeah i've been having it's some awesome. serious uh serious envy towards the, some of the
0: things ray's been playing
1: i saw you getting all uh frothy over uh the 4x games he has like a what a twilight imperium weekend he said coming up
0: yes i'm so jealous because i really want to play my copy of twilight imperium 4 so badly
1: hmm yes good good ray tell us all about it and make jonathan hey jelly.
0: hey you be careful you'd be nice
1: because if i can get a couple other people together this monday i have off just saying I, I have no idea how to respond to that. You just sounded like John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. You're like, just saying. <laughs> anyway, come right back. We'll be here with stuff and things, because we're professionals.
0: Yeah, I can tell by the quality of your of your exit.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm so tired, man. I am, too. I have too. <laughs> I'm so stupid, dead tired. Oh. <laughs> One of us should just end this. I'm going to end it right now. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following
1: you can email us at fmdpodcast 2016 at gmail.com you can join our facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmd podcast we also have facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com you can also message us or tweet us on twitter find us at forgot my dice you can join us on patreon where we post outtakes and other bonus content and if you like the show the best
0: way for more people to find out about us is to give forgot my dice a review on itunes stitcher or the google store
1: lastly for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast pick up your shoe phone and call agent 82 chief it's acceptable to get podcasts on a wristwatches it won't be distracting uh, I, I just don't even know what's happening right now well it's classified jonathan i could tell you but then i'd have to kill you
0: oh we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And uh, we're still riding high off the Gen Con news wave, buddy. Lots of stuff to talk about.
1: What? I haven't found anything. It's because you don't know where to look, my friend. Shut up. (laughs)
0: Love you. All right. Well, let's get started with a couple of uh, uh, announcements. And this first one is near and dear to my heart. Starcadia Quest is on Kickstarter right now. And yes, I am a proud backer. Starcadia so Arcadia Quest, of course, is Arcadia Quest in space!
1: In space!
0: It looks like, based on the campaign, that it takes all the basic elements of Arcadia Quest and everything that makes it cool and fun, um, adds a nice sci-fi wrapper, and uh, changes a few elements up to make it a little more... Uh, feeling a little more fresh, a little new. Uh, I like some of these changes that they've made. It it really will make it feel fresh on the table, so I'm really looking forward to this. And yes, I have gone hog wild on my backing of it, and it's looking mighty fine.
1: (laughs) Here's something I've been noticing, because I I, I saw this too. Uh, What is up with people and sci-fi? Like The the gaming community at large is... Sci-fi is hot right now, man. Yeah, it is, because, like, what, we had the the Expanse RPG, uh, Starfinder came out not all that long ago. Yeah, Starcadia Quest. Uh, The last
0: beside was Invasion, which is uh, sci-fi themed. Our our game of the show Starship Samurai.
1: Yeah, and then we also had, like, Chaosium is, like, Chris Spivey, like, write us a sci-fi game. Uh, And I know there's more examples I'm just missing, but... Uh, Comanauts is uh, heavy sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Doing something in... it just seems to be the new hotness right now and i don't get it i'm all right with it i'm all right yeah well and i've been kind of jonesing for something too like i've wanted to play a good space rpg or something and and yeah i don't know maybe maybe it's cyberpunk i don't know all i know is that starcadia quest has space cowboys it has
0: space pirates and it's going to have all the kookiness of arcadia quest so i'm really okay with it
1: Oh, wow. It doubled its money since I last looked at it. There you go.
0: Yeah, it's doing well. It's doing well. I'm really excited. There's a couple of really great Kickstarter exclusives. There's uh, one that looks like uh, Daryl Hannah's character from Blade Runner. There's another (laughs) one that looks like uh, Vasquez from Aliens. I'm quite pleased. (laughs)
1: Let's rock! Uh, the only quote I can remember from Vasquez is uh, not appropriate for our podcast, <laughs> but it involves something she told Bill Paxton. and oh, His response man. was anytime, any place." Oh, man. I love that
0: movie. I need to go back and watch that movie. <laughs> I am. I'm so close to showing that movie to Carlos. I cannot wait to show him Alien and Aliens back to back in a dark room and just
1: watch him jump out of his seat. It's going to be the best time ever. My man, do it right. Uh, you you live in a city with the Alamo Draft House. They show that stuff on the big screen. The last time I saw Alien it was at the uh, the Ritz. And uh, yeah, it was on the big screen. Like, do it right, sir. I might, but I might see if
0: I can get uh, some other parents to sign off on it and then do it as like a birthday party or something. Because nothing nothing would uh, in amuse me more than giving the most terrible night terrors to a group of teenage boys.
1: (laughs) Just like flash forward 20 years and just him shaking on the therapy couch. Ah, It all started on my 14th birthday. You kids know how
0: you make me uh, want to drink and go to therapy? Well, congratulations. It's time for me to repay
1: that favor.
0: (laughs) Get ready to not sleep for a week, kids.
1: It's okay, son. It could be worse. You could have some sort of xenomorph uh, ovum positor ram down your throat and it lays its eggs in your chest. It's fine. Now it's a party. <laughs> no, no, it's just its just weird. It's just weird how how much sci-fi is on the brain right now. It just seems like there's a lot of sci-fi stuff. Like, um, well, okay, I'll tell you what, we'll segue right into mine. So last episode, we talked about Pelgrane Press's new RPG, Android Dreams, and they posted a little copy about it. But yeah, that's definitely, it's sci-fi gumshoe. Here's what they wrote. Created in a world without humans, newly finished robots awaken as their home borders on collapse, as the material necessary to continue robot life becomes scarce and terrifying glitches become more common. Troubleshooters become flickering beacons of hope. Robot Dreams puts players into the roles of those troubleshooters, robots designed to keep their community safe and free of glitches. As troubleshooters struggle to keep people safe, old questions arise. Why did the Friends create robots? Where have they gone? But deeper questions will haunt their cores. Can they be more than what they were created to be? Will they forge a brave new world from the remnants of the past, or will they flicker and expire? I don't know what what that's channeling. I, I know I've read that before. That kind of like post-apocalypse robot future where the robots don't know where they came from. I, I can't place where I've read that before, though.
0: I oh, know. It's a good story trip though. I'm down with it.
1: Also, the thing I've read about it is, uh, it's going to be kind of like one of those entry level, uh, gumshoe products. So it's going to be a-, a thinner book, like esoteric. So like, you know, softback and probably like, you know, 128 pages, like not, not a big, not a big thick book, not like, uh, not like Dra Dracula- or Knights Black Agents or anything. It's going to be a little bit more easier on that. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm intrigued. I'm going to read it regardless. I think.
0: Well, you ready for some more news bites.
1: Is it is pro- it have anything to do with sci-fi stuff?
0: Uh yeah, I can make it
1: happen. I can make that happen, buddy. Oh, let's let's keep the sci-fi going. Let's keep right, it going. Keep the sci-fi train
0: going. Do 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 sci-fi train. Boo boo! Our big game of the uh show, Starship Samurai, has a new expansion coming out. Ooh. It's two additional mechs called Starship Samurai Shattered Alliances. It comes with Hanzo and Ishida, two brand new mechs. They're standalone ships. Um <laughs> oh my god get- hold up hold up hold up does one of them have a sword and the other one have a bow no that's in the core box both oh, of the, okay both of these guys have swords
1: because uh because hanzo hanzo is i i think his last name's ashita from overwatch I'm oh that's pretty funny that.
0: i wouldn't yeah. doubt that, that that's the reference though
1: okay anyway go on
0: <laughs> uh well anyway it comes with 40 40 action cards for the game, which we'll talk about in the deep dive. Mm-hmm. And it comes with two brand new mechs and these mech designs look just as awesome as, uh, as the ones in the box and yeah, I'm really excited. That's totally up my alley and I think that's a, a perfect kind of expansion for this game. Neat. See, sci- sci-fi's on the brain. Well, I think that's about all I've got from a sci-fi perspective. You ready for some more industry news? Okay, go. We're getting some uh new Ghostbusters love. We're getting Ghostbusters the card game and it's a high five between uh albino dragon games who did the uh goonies adventure card game which is a lot of fun i really enjoy that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh they're actually local here in austin come to think about it good times and the other company renegade game studios Ooh, i like them yes uh they've been on fire recently uh they've they've produced some really good games this year so yeah it's really exciting it's really really exciting there's not a lot of information out for it yet. They've released a little bit of the card art. It's kind of got a kooky uh, cartoon look.
1: You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember in the original Ghostbusters movie where there was the cover of like Time Magazine or something that they were on? Yes. It yes. reminds me of that. Absolutely. Good times. I mean, it's
0: there's never a bad time for Ghostbusters. Like I'm always okay with more Ghostbusters stuff, so I'm down.
1: Uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group has announced that there is a new edition of Savage Worlds coming out. Probably... In October, at least that's when the Kickstarter is going to hit. They said they're going to keep their plans fluid because if somebody else does something big in October, they're going to just push it back because they don't want to compete. According to the copy I read, uh, there's just basically a lot of tweaks to a lot of stuff and new chase rules, which thank God. And they mentioned that the chapter that's been in the book forever about like how to GM is not going to be in this book. It's going to be somewhere else, and I'm like, ooh, does that mean they're going to do a separate GM book? I don't know. It'd be nice because they have a lot of these companions where they have like you know horror and sci-fi and all all that. It'd be nice if they made a GM book, which was all that stuff combined along with the chapter about how to run a game. I would be down. I'd be down, but we'll see. We'll see. They're shooting for October 16th, but then again, that could change based off of what other people are doing or what's been going on with them.
0: All right. We're going to do some, uh, some news bites. So uh, Stonemaier games who uh, has uh, no shortage of love uh, in, in our podcast because they make good stuff has teamed up with Bézier games and they're each taking one of their big awesome games and they're high-fiving them together into something special we are getting a combination of between two cities and castles of mad king ludwig in between two castles of mad king ludwig (laughs) (laughs) and listen to this player count man two to seven wow and it's got a game trays custom insert which means that the trays inside the box are going to be totally amazing and yeah, there's just a lot going on here. It looks super awesome. It looks like it's borrowing elements from both games quite heavily. And I'm I'm fascinated to play this.
1: You know what? We need more of that. We need more. We need more game studios to mash up weird stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm totally down with that.
1: All right, all right. I got to get a pitch together. Hear me out. Carcazone and Zombicide will make it work because they both have map tiles. Carcasside? Would that be what you <laughs> called it? Carcasside? Stop whatever you're doing right now, let's go pitch this and start printing money. I like the way you think.
0: (laughs) It's a zombie tile placement game? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I'd I'd actually try (laughs) that. I would try that in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Some more corners of the industry are coming together. Tabletop Tycoon and Victory Point Games are uh, forming an alliance together. So Victory Point Games is uh, probably best known for... The States of Siege series, uh, Nemo's War, which is a a huge, huge favorite uh, with me. And then, of course, Game Salute is makers of uh, Gen Con Darling Everdell. My gosh, it seemed like everybody had bought a copy of Everdell. Black Orchestra, which we were talking about earlier in the show. So lots of good stuff there. They've been working together, and now they are officially aligning. We're getting a board game based on a big IP. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Tomb Raider Legends, the board game. Oh, who's making that? Uh, That's coming from Square Enix, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a four-player game. It's going to be played on a circular board depicting various locations. There's going to be random area tiles to play on. It looks like it's going to be action-based. It's actions like rest, steal, explore, rush. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. We'll have to see how this turns out. Not a whole lot of information on it yet, but it does have a really neat cover.
1: Is this like uh, how the uh, League of Legends guys, uh, they made their own board game? Is this becoming the new thing? I don't know. Of all the things for, to
0: happen, I, I'm kind of okay with this, one. this. This is interesting.
1: Hey, you know what's coming out from Square Enix pretty soon? What's that? Dragon Quest Eleven.
0: Four days. <laughs> I know it. I know you're excited about that one.
1: I, I got a hot tip today that when you get uh, the rogue Eric in your party, you should do everything possible to unlock dual wielding as quickly as possible. Hot Same. tip. Hot tip. Fresh off the internet. Direct Same. to That's you. It.
0: So Robert, do you hear the beat of large wings
1: in the air? Does it sound like a, a saucy, sexy Caribbean beat on no, one of those uh, steel no. drums?
0: More like the the leathery terror of something
1: in the air. Is it a Matrix convention where people are cosplaying as Neo in their coats?
0: <laughs> no, no. Oh. There be dragons, Robert. There be dragons because the Game of Thrones game from Fantasy Flight is getting another expansion. Ooh. There Be Dragons is the name of the expansion. It comes with a player board that shows the free cities of Essos, which, of course, is the island across the sea. And, uh, yeah, it looks super cool. Uh, This is really exciting.
1: Are the dragons actually in it?
0: Uh, Yes, there are dragons in it. Ooh, Um, Oh. Daenerys gets her three dragons. They're a new unit type. They don't muster the same way other things do.
1: I hope not. (laughs) Yeah. You know, okay, so say I, I know next to nothing about that show. I have not watched it, but I was there when uh, my wife was watching it and saw the first time the dragons attacked that. Like, I think it was one dragon attacked an army. And, yeah, that's about how I'd expect it to go. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. I, I, hope, I hope those are just wickedly overpowered because that would be fun.
0: We're going to find out soon. The expansion is coming soon. Fun. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of crowd segment. Uh, if, as always, if you have any kooky news tips that you need to throw our way, uh, please, please feel free to reach out through all of our different digital domains. And before we take a quick break, it is now time for our Year in the Life segment. This is where we go back a year back in time We look at what we talked about a year ago, and we have 365 seconds to talk about it. And if we want to go longer,
1: well, then we need to get it
0: off the shelf and play. Robert, what happened one year ago?
1: A little over one year ago, but uh, Forgot My Good Dice, episode 22, shiny and kind of crumbed? I like it. I like it. (laughs) What did we deep dive that episode? Uh, Terraforming Mars. Yes, which
0: continues to be awesome. I love that game. (laughs) It's so much fun
1: yeah yeah you you talked about it several times that you played it single player and you played it with other people and uh, have, have any of the expansions come out yet yes i have the hellas and elysium expansion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i have not picked up
0: venus next yet that's uh one of the next things i want to pick up and the new expansion was i believe available at gen con i just never had a chance to go by the stronghold booth uh and, and grab a copy
1: i really remember liking that game quite a bit the game was very thematic, and I liked how everything just kind of worked. And even though our corporations were different, they weren't overpowered. I don't know. It was it was a very well put together game. I was very yeah. impressed. Extremely well balanced.
0: Uh, ex- extremely well streamlined as well. I, I, there's a lot to like
1: there. I moved away from you, sir. I don't get to do fun things anymore. So sad. But you'll be here soon for the wedding. I will, and I'll have a couple days of freedom after the wedding to just kind of chill around Austin.
0: And that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Crowd segment. As always, reach out to us on our digital domains, and we're going to be right back after a quick break. And we're going to talk about giant robots fighting each other in space, explosions, chaos, starship samurai.
1: Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast.
0: Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive of the episode. And Robert, I've been looking forward to this one because I had so much fun with this game.
1: Across the far reaches of the Lotus Galaxy, a civil war is waged by massive machines piloted by skilled warriors. Take your place as Damio of one of the major clans and fight for your right to the title of Galactic Emperor in Starship Samurai, an epic new game of warring clans for two to four players. In this war, you must use diplomacy to bring honor to your clan, earn the support of the lesser clans, and cement your claim to the throne. But when negotiation is not enough, you can launch massive fleets or deploy the most fearsome weapons the galaxy has ever known, the terrifying samurai mechs to crush your enemies and seize key locations. Exert your influence and bring order out of chaos.
0: I think I should start with this deep dive by reminding everybody about how much i love Isaac Vega. His game designs are super cool. So i went into this with a very open mind and i came out just stoked. This game is so much fun. So let's 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 talk about the game. You've got a couple different things. Each player gets a player board and that player board is going to have a section in it for orders, uh, which are essentially the four different actions that you take every turn, a section in it for your ships and this is where you park your fleet. You get a series of ship figures, you get, um, tiny little fighters, and then you get one aircraft carrier. Then there's a section for the four different cards that you will have. One is stats for the aircraft carrier, one is stats for the fighters, and then the other is stats for your two mechs. You get two mechs every game. So that's what's directly in front of you. Then there's a couple other aspects of the, the playing field. You've got locations, and these are planets that, uh, you're fighting over with the other players. And there uh, is a minimum of two and a maximum of four based on your player count. There's one planet per, per player out on the playing field. This gets rotated because the planets are actually cards, uh, and the locations are spaces that get filled up with your ships and your fighters and your mechs. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So the, the planet itself is a card because every round you're going to put out fresh, uh, fresh planets. Each of these planets comes with a different bonus. And we'll talk about how those bonuses work in just a little bit. The final thing that you put out on there is an allegiance board. And basically what it is, is in the world of Starship Samurai, you have eight different clans. And these clans are all throwing their weight behind one of the players. So it's basically like the the politics of uh, the game. Make sense? Makes sense. So in this board, you have four columns, one for each player of the game. And then you have tokens for each of the eight clans and then you move those tokens up and down the different lanes uh for the for the individual player showing who is aligned behind who and the height of these because there's six different spots that they can occupy is really important because in the first spot which is like a very low level of uh of um allegiance you only get one of the the monetary value of the game but then, if you go up a level, you get a victory point. And then, if you go up another level, you get two victory points. Then three. Then four. Then five victory points per round. So, the more a clan believes in your faction, the more victory points you're going to score from them every round. Make sense so far?
1: Makes sense so far. I- I'm I'm terribly sorry. I'm getting very distracted by all these pretty minis. I'm looking at them on Board Game Geek. Um, yeah, because the mechs are dope. Yeah, they have one with a giant mech bow.
0: Oh, man, his special power is ridiculous, too. He can basically snipe any ship off of anybody's player board. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, he's just like a giant cannon. All right, so there's three phases in a turn. In phase one, um, you're basically going to claim location rewards. And in this, what you're going to do is you're going to look at the four locations, uh, Well, assuming that you have a four-player game, Uh, Mm -hmm. you're going to look at the four locations and any one that you currently control you're going to get the rewards and the rewards are printed at the bottom of the card and most of those are going to be things like victory points or money or specific clan love I guess you could say right allegiance yeah so after you've claimed your location rewards you're going to perform a single order so you have four tokens and you have four actions. Your tokens are numbered one, two, three, and 4. And that's how many of that action you can take. And your actions are pretty straightforward. You've got one action that lets you move a clan marker X number of spaces. So basically, you're, you're, you can either move somebody else's clan marker down, meaning they're going to get fewer rewards, or you can move one of your clan markers up. Okay, makes sense. Okay, next one is you can move units. And depending on whether you put the one, two, three, or four, you get to do this one, two, three, or four times. And what you do is you take units out of your supply, which is your player board, and you put them into one of the spaces surrounding one of the locations. And there's some some rules around movement of units, right? The aircraft carrier it comes along with two fighters automatically, and things like that. And the mechs especially have very specific rules ab- um, that that are applied when they're in an area.
1: It seems easy so far. Yeah.
0: Then there's an action of draw action cards. And these action cards are the over-the-top anime aspect of this game. Because the action cards get truly ridiculous truly quickly. Most of them screw with your opponents. Some of them boost your own stuff. They're all fun and way over the top. This is a game about extremes. And then finally, you have uh, gain wealth tokens, which is the, the the money monetary value of the game. Because many of those action cards do come with a cost. Now, the neat thing is, any one of those actions that you take, you can bolster with money. So, do you want more than four action cards? You want, to, you want to draw seven? No problem. You use your four token, and then you can pay three money into that to bolster that up three times. And that's the basics.
1: Okay. Wow, this, this is the new hotness, isn't it? What's that? Uh, well, this game. I'm trying to look at some of the images of this game on Board Game Geek, and it's not letting me look at a few of them because they have not met approval yet.
0: <laughs> yes, this came out of Gen Con. It's, it's extremely new hotness.
1: Wow, wow. It's hot. It's hot off the press. We should put like a warning at the beginning of the podcast, like, you know, don't handle without gloves or something.
0: <laughs> now, once per turn... Before you perform your order, you also have the option of playing one of those action cards in. And some of the action cards are actually uh, retaliatory as well. So if something happens, you can use it to either cancel out that effect or uh, have a, a retribution happen. Now, action cards, some of them cost nothing, most of them cost something. But it's not just money. They might cost money, they might cost victory points, and they might actually cost you ships. You might have to sacrifice ships that you control to make some of these action cards happen. Okay. Now next comes the battle phase, and the battle phase is pretty straightforward. You look at the the different locations, and if there is a location that's contested by two players, and mind you, the battle phase comes after you've done four rounds of the uh, player phase, uh, after everybody's had an opportunity to take all of their their orders. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... You look at all four locations, and you look at how they are contested by um, by some simple math. Each of the fighters counts as one point. The aircraft carrier counts as two points. Each of the mechs comes with their own point value, and that's very different because the, the mechs each have a different point value and a different special power that is spe- specific to them. And whoever has the highest number wins. Now, keep in mind that when you send out fighters, you can bolster the, the strength of those fighters by paying in money. So... You want your fighter to be worth 5 Great. Put a fighter down and then put $4 underneath it. It's that easy. So whoever has the highest number controls that area. Now you're going to do battle. And to do battle, you commit battle cards first. And the you commit a battle card by um, choosing one of your, your action cards that will say battle card on it, and you put it face down in front of you. You don't have to do this, but you probably want to. You then flip the battle cards over, resolve them, and then figure out who has the highest number, and they win the fight. Make sense? Makes sense. Great. So now, if you've won that battle, you gain the location, you you physically take the card, and you get to gain the reward of that location.
1: What are some of the rewards? Again,
0: it's the same stuff that you get during the player phase. Uh, It could be faction, it could be uh, uh,
1: victory points, it could be money. So stop me if I'm wrong. But this to me is having the vibe of one of those crazy 4X games, but like really streamlined down to be a faster experience.
0: Kind of, yeah, kind of.
1: There's le- there's there's no real exploit. But they definitely got the explore thing going because you know the new planets. Well, because there's no real exploring either.
0: You you get four locations around.
1: Right, right but that but head man. You're you're off. You know, trying to get influence on those oh, places yeah, and yeah. You're exploring. Yeah.
0: So now you get to the resolution phase, which is the the last phase, right? And you get get to get rewards from your alliances, and that depends on where those markers sit on the track. Mm -hmm. You get to reveal four new locations. All of your units come back to you unless you lost a battle. And this is where things get interesting. If you lose a battle, your units stay in that space. So in the next round, you'll automatically have control over that space. Mm, Okay. The victor takes all their units and puts them back in their supply. Okay. Um, So you gain rewards from alliances, you reveal new locations, you restore your units and your orders, and you pass the first player token, and then it's on with the the next round. And you do that until you run out of locations. And that's the core of the game.
1: Do the amount of locations vary based off of how many players you have?
0: Yes. So, in a two-player game, you'll have two locations per round. In a three-player game three, and in a four-player game four.
1: Right, right, right. But the the actual physical deck that you're drawing new yes, locations. Yes, yes. So there are cards
0: that are specific to four player games, three player games, and two player games.
1: Oh, okay. It's like seven wonders. Okay, yeah.
0: So there's there's a core deck that you'll always see, and then there are additions that are uh, based on player count.
1: Are the mechs themselves tied to a specific side, or do you kind of like get them at the beginning? No, you get them at the beginning. Is it like a draft, or how do you how do you choose?
0: Yeah. So the mechs are tied to a draft. So at the beginning of the the game. There's a specific draft order based on the number of players. And that teaches you, um, you know, who, you, you get to go through the mechs and choose the mechs that you want. And so every time you play the game, there's a good chance that you're going to have a different mix of mechs. And that's really important because that, that helps to... The mechs are very asymmetrical, whereas the rest of the game is completely symmetrical. Well, that, that's, that's pretty much the game right there. And here's the fun thing about it. It moves very, very quickly. It has a very interesting... Uh, aggression factor to it, because it's very confrontational, but it's also so over-the-top and ridiculous that you can't help but smile during the confrontation. This is an anime of like, a big, giant space anime that's been captured and whittled down into this really solid abstract, and this game is just so much fun. Like, I can't say enough about it. I had so much fun playing it. Plus, on top of it, there's, there's all kinds of other stuff, which I think we're about to talk about.
1: Alright, Jonathan, so... Tell me about that rule book.
0: Rule book's great. Very straightforward. Not very long. Has great ex- uh, examples of play, and uh, I didn't have any issues learning the game from it. Index doesn't even need it. It's that short. Hmm. Okay. And yet it has it, Robert. It has it because it <laughs> loves me. Oh my gosh! It's only a twelve-page rule book. We're not talking about a huge, a huge
1: rule And book they passed the index test. Yes, they did. Come on, people! All right, so I've been I've been looking at these components on Board Game Geek, and uh, I I gotta say, like the mechs, they uh, they have uh, their poses are kind of dynamic, but I like the way that they're sculpted because uh, they they're not complicated miniatures. So I, I've been seeing people's paint jobs and you know, I've been, there's simple paint jobs on the site and there's more complex paint jobs on the site. And I got to say, it kind of lends itself to both. You know, if you're not like an expert painter, you don't really have to worry. Like splashing a little color on them actually helps them out quite a bit.
0: No, these, these, these models, I mean, honestly, even if all you did was throw a wash on them, they would just pop. They would pop because there's so many sharp, nice details in the plastic. It's, these models are excellent.
1: And it's interesting how some people do it, because some people try to avoid the the different sort of player colors, you know? And then some people obviously don't care. But So, like, one of the picture sets, there's a lot of, like, violets and browns. <laughs> you know, but in others, people don't care. And it's like, fine, whatever, it's red, I don't care. It doesn't have to be on the red faction, but yeah. And uh, I saw a picture on it. Do they have any form of marker that you get to sort of determine which uh mech is your own uh you know so if you're like the blue player do you have like a, a little standee or something to determine that
0: no you you get a card that you put onto your player board that that gives you your mech's stats okay and that card has all the art on it of what your mech looks like and there's no two mechs that can be confused for one another these are all very very distinct designs you'll know who you have
1: Okay. Well, one of the pictures, uh, the, there were little beads that people were putting on them, and I was like, "Oh, they must be doing that to make sure people remember which mech is theirs." So,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess you could if you really needed to, but I, I mean, like in my experience, these mechs are so vastly different from one another that there was really
1: no reason to. I dig the little uh, carrier ships too, with the with the Asian style like uh, houses on the top of you know. Oh yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's cute. Anything else to say about components? Yeah, everything just is
0: beautiful. The art is phenomenal and wonderful. The plastics are great, extremely well detailed. Everything about this game is a pleasure to look at, and it's got a great table presence, and it's uh, it's just super fun to look at. It, it, it captures that over-the-top anime feel perfectly.
1: So is there anything off in the execution of this game that you can think of, or has it just kind of hit all its thrusters? no it's uh it's, it's full engines. Let's go screw some stuff up. okay. like there are some
0: seriously, seriously messy cards in these decks. like there's one uh, political card that lets you sway a faction by six towards you. Now, considering there's only six um six spots on the board, let's say your buddy has that faction at uh positive two. Well, guess what? You can go minus two to get him to zero. And then plus four or plus four into your zone, all with one fell swoop. Now, here's the thing. That's a really expensive card to play. I think, as I recall, I had to sacrifice two of my ships to play it.
1: <laughs> all right, so you said you played it with two players and you played it with three. Yes, and I'm
0: going to be playing it with four players this weekend. And it works just as well with two as it does with three. Uh, and the reason for that is because of the additional locations that you put into that deck.
1: Nice, which is, of course, the kind of the timing mechanic, too. Exactly, exactly.
0: Nice, nice. And, and here's the thing, especially when people uh, learn the game and are playing it, it, this plays extremely
1: quickly. How long does a game... Well, how about this? How long did your first game take you?
0: First game took about uh, two hours, uh, but the, the first time I played it was with my son, uh, so we took a little bit of extra time because... We needed to make sure about some rules, and he had some questions about some of the vocabulary used to describe rules. I think with adults, that would go a little bit quicker. My first game with uh, two additional adults uh, weighed in at about an hour and 20 minutes. That ain't bad. No, it's like I said, it's very streamlined. And I think once everybody's learned the game and there's no learning going on, I would estimate that this is probably going to be 20 minutes per player.
1: So how would you sum this game up? Where does it hit, hit its marks? What kind of gameplay, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, you
0: know, it's interesting. It reminds me pretty heavily of games like Arcadia Quest. Game groups that enjoy poking each other and ribbing each other are going to have a blast with this game. Because this game is extremely aggressive towards other players. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. That's actually its charm. And the cards are just so over the top and ridiculous in how they screw uh, one another that it really just adds to the fun. It plays fast, it looks good, it is so solid and so fun, and I'm so happy to have this in my collection. It, I'm just it's this is my my one of my favorite types of games to begin with because there's there's the building of your own empire, but there's also the the screwing with the others at the table, but it never it never gets off the ground into the, oh, you know, this is terrible and I'm getting really frustrated and upset because the game is so well balanced that there's always a way out of it. You're never completely out of the game.
1: That is Starship Samurai by Plaid Hat Games. Is it available now or is it, are we in the post Gen Con? It was out at Gen Con, but now you got to wait a month to get it at your store.
0: Yes, it is absolutely out now. I've seen it pop up at Miniature Market. I've seen it pop up at Amazon. So it's definitely available. Well, Robert, that brings us to the end of another episode, the end of episode 46 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, we always ask you to join us on all of our digital domains. We love, love hearing from you and interacting with you. And as always, Robert, it's that time. Any final thoughts?
1: No, no. We got Papa Murphy's pizza and uh, (laughs) like that, that cartoon scent, like, you know, misty thing has wormed its way up the stairs underneath the door. And over into this corner of my bedroom and is soon to pick me up by the nostrils and carry me downstairs into its sweet sweet tomato and mozzarella embrace
0: so basically what you're saying is that papa murphy's is your final thought
1: yeah yeah i'm really hungry i haven't had dinner yet uh, it, smells so it. Good, it smells so good jonathan smells <laughs> so good
0: all right well that brings us to the end of another episode i forgot my dice there's only one thing left to do robert
1: party on robert party on jonathan The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.